Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Thank you for joining me. This is Sam Chan, and I've been talking to you about stress in success. Stress in success. It's not stress to success, not stress through success, but stress in success. You're going to have higher levels of success and higher levels of stress. And I've already uh, unpacked that for you in my last two segments, but let me just take 30 seconds and do that for you real quickly. By greater stress, I mean that there will be greater consequences. If you have a company in which you've got 10 people employed, you have an organization with 10 people employed, you make a decision for 10, it's not a good decision, 10 people lose their jobs. You've got an organization with which you have 1,000 people employed, you make a bad decision, 1,000 people lose their jobs. So, the consequences, but the stress levels are different because they're more consequential. In this session, I want to talk to you about success factors for an organization. 12 success factors for an organization. And then I want to talk to you about seven questions you got to ask yourself. 12 success factors and seven questions. Here we go. Success factor. So this is what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want to think about here's a factor. And right next to it, here is the action. Factor and action. So that's how I'm going to go in this. I'm going to give you the factor and next to it the action. Factor number one. Handling complexity. Handling complexity. That's the factor. The action that is needed here. Figuring out what needs to be done and charting a course of action. Figuring out what needs to be done and charting a course of action. Now, life is complex. But once you know your destination, then you've got to figure out how you're going to get there and chart a course of action. If you don't do that, you'll get overwhelmed by it. For example, right now I am creating this content for you in Atlanta, Georgia. My motherland is India. I go there at least once a year to visit family and to engage with the institutions that I have over there, a Bible college and a school, a children's school. So if I was just to say to myself, here I am in Atlanta, Georgia, and I want to go to Lucknow, that's the name of my city, Lucknow, India, and just think of it that way, I can get overwhelmed. Because we are on different continents, there are oceans, two oceans that divide us, the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean. I mean, we are two continents away. So that's com complex. So you start breaking it down. You start breaking it down to, for example, your calendar, when do I want to be there? Then you start seeing which airlines can get me there. Then you do the price breakdown on that. Do you see what I'm talking about? So. Even though it's complex, you break down the complexity. So that's what leaders do. Leaders handle complexity. They don't uh, lean on their team to figure out the complexity. They break the complex down into simple, doable steps. And they say, next thing we're going to do is this. Next thing we're going to do is this. Next thing we're going to do is this. 
next thing we know is this uh, just just uh, recently i was having a conversation with somebody who's thinking to of uh, buying a house and they really like this house they saw that they would love to see this uh, to buy this house kind of iffy on if they want to buy the house at the price that it is listed at right now so my question to them was so what's your very next step this person said to me my very next step is plugging in all the variables into my computer uh, the amortization the interest rate the amount that i'll have to borrow to buy this house and so on and so forth the equity i'm going to get from my present house and then i'll be able to make a decision do you see what just happened by the time they buy the house it's pretty complex so the first question is what's your very next step because the very next step tells you if you need to proceed down this road or to pull back from this transaction at this point when you still can do that complexity figuring it out number 2 drive and results orientation the factor is you have a drive and results orientation that's the factor the action is focusing on an outcome and driving for completion towards focusing on the outcome and driving for completion outcome completion that is defining the when outcome completion this is what it's going to look like when it is done this is when i want to get it done this is how much it's going to cost when we get it done so the factor is results orientation but the focus is the action that is needed the action that is needed is clarifying the outcome and the completion most organizational leaders can be quite ambiguous and lack clarity in saying this is what is going to look like when we get there this is what our win is going to be like number 3 the factor on this side of the column is lead and manage people lead and manage people action required directing the work of motivating others directing the work of motivating others the biggest challenge a leader faces is to motivate their team if my team is motivated we can do anything have you ever seen uh, any kind of a game could be cricket hockey football rugby uh, doesn't matter what it might be where one side loses motivation when one side somehow gives up and they stop playing to win they start playing not to lose motivating people so you got to ask yourself am i a good motivator you got to ask yourself what are the motivational points what motivates this person may not motivate somebody else money may motivate most people but money may not motivate everybody a promotion may motivate somebody a promotion may not motivate anybody uh, for some people task completions appreciation accolades trophies plaques bonuses trips those are all motivational devices so as a leader what are you doing to keep your people motivated number 4 factor executional excellence executional excellence action putting ideas into action putting ideas into action i i, I heard a saying years ago i don't know who said it but 
I just remember it says this, ideas are funny. They won't work unless you do. So I have a lot of friends who have great ideas, but what they lack is uh, action steps behind it. They like to talk a lot, but do little. Action. What action is needed to make this idea work? So if my idea is to go on a family holiday, that's a great idea. But then there are actions needed, all the way from money, to scheduling, to making sure everybody can do that, to agreeing on where we want to go. A lot of actions needed. So if there's no action, it'll just remain an idea. My guess is you have those meetings in your organization, a lot of ideas, but no action. Now, not every idea needs an action. I get that. Not every idea is actionable. Not every idea is within your realm of possibility right now. It will be one day, but right now it's not there. So what is the action you need to take on what you actually can do on your ideas? Number five, factor organizational understanding. Organizational understanding. Action, knowing how the organization works and how to maximize it how the organization works and how to ma maximize it. If I was to be hired as an employee in an organization, I think knowing what I know, I would want to figure out how does this place work. I try to figure out what is the culture. I like to figure out what are the power points in this organization. I like to figure out how things get done here. I like to figure out who actually makes things happen. I like to figure out how does this place work. Because unless you understand the insides of an organization, how does this place work? What makes it tick? Who are the decision makers? Who are the bottlenecks? Who you need to be successful? <clears throat> What kind of reports does my boss like to see? What is the length of the report? Do they like to read in paragraphs? Do they like to read in bullets and numbers? I'd like to understand how it works. That's the action that is needed. Number six. Factor, composure under pressure. Composure under pressure. Action, staying focused in the internal pressure and still getting done. Remember, I'm talking about stress to success. No, I'm talking about stress in success. You will have pressure. You will have pressure. The only people who don't have pressure are people who are dead, people not doing anything. If you are having pressure, that means you're going somewhere. Because pressure means there's an opposing force of some nature. That means you're going somewhere. And you have to overcome that pressure. So how do you continue remaining calm in the midst of pressure? Keeping your team calm in the middle of that pressure. And still making forward movement. Still moving in the direction you want to go in. Staying focused while you're having internal pressure and still getting things done. Not hyperventilating, not running into walls, not thumping tables, not getting explosively mad. Stay cool, 
like a duck. A duck on the surface of the, of the water, on the outside, cool, calm, can collect it. Under the water, it is peddling for all it is worth. Stay cool, lead under pressure. The number seven is executive maturity. Executive maturity. Always act, and the action, always acting with maturity and good judgment. Executive maturity. When you're executive, you can't blow off in front of everybody. You lose your temper publicly, it'll take you a long time to recover from that. Because all of a sudden, you've told everybody, I can't handle this. And as soon as those you are leading figure out you can't handle it, you're dismissed as a leader. Executive maturity means using good judgment. Executive maturity means that you are acting in a way a leader does. Because if you go crazy, they're going to go crazier. Number eight, technical knowledge. Factor, technical knowledge. Action, understanding and applying technical knowledge. Every industry has technical knowledge. Red Cross, technical knowledge. FEMA, technical knowledge. Your church, technical knowledge. Your factory, technical knowledge. Your computers, technical knowledge. Every industry has technical knowledge. My question for you is, do you know the business of your business? If you're a church leader, do you know the technical knowledge more than platform preaching? What does it take in the efficiency side of things? Do you understand the technology? I'm not talking about bells, whistles, and uh, internet, and online. That's not what I'm talking about when I say technology at all. I'm talking about understanding the business of the business. How things work. How does money work? How do people work? How does volunteerism work? How do programs work? What is successful? What days of the week are more successful than the others? What time is more successful than the others? When can I get more people engaged? What engages more people? I'm talking about the business of the business, knowing the technical knowledge. Number nine, factor, recruiting and developing good people. Recruiting and developing good people. The action that is needed, making the organization and individuals better. How do we make the organization and the individual better? That means, that sentence implies, people are already at a baseline, they can get better. They're at a baseline, they can get better. Unless you have that perspective of people that they can go up, they can get better. They can improve. You will have a dismissive attitude toward them. It is our deep-rooted conviction that people can grow that allows us to take them to the next level. Number 10, positive people skills. That's the factor. The action, knowing how to get along with people who are different. <laughs> Can I make a statement to you? 
everybody you're gonna meet today is gonna be different. Huh. How do you get along with different people? Will determine your success. So positive people skills means I'm not right, they're not wrong. I am who I am, they're who they are. It's appreciating, celebrating, and even leveraging the difference that'll get you to the next level. Number 11, effecting, effective communication. That's the factor. The action needed is knowing how to communicate. As a leader, you'll always be communicating. You'll communicate in writing, you'll communicate in speaking, you'll communicate one-on-one, -on -one, you'll communicate one-on-a few, you'll communicate one-on many, you will communicate. What are you doing to increase your communication skills? When was the last time you took a communication class? When was the last time you read a blog or watched a video on how to be a better communicator? That's what leaders do. If they have a vision, they gotta communicate. And we're not talking about just words. I'm talking about the whole package of what communication is. The technical knowledge behind abstract communication, concrete communication, timing of communication, inclusion in communication, factors that will grab people's attention, the stickiness of communication. You've got to learn how to be a better communicator. And unless you can do that, you are going to define and confine your future. And finally, number 12, impact and influence. That's the factor. The action is being able to get things done when fixed with obstacles. If you want to be a person of influence, I'm gonna tell you how to gain influence. Look for opportunities in your organization when things are difficult and bring solutions and help to it. You'll become a person of influence. You'll become the go-to person. You'll be the impacting person. Don't run from problems. Don't run from challenges. Don't blame people. Don't try to find out what's wrong. Figure it out. Figure out solutions. And then you can go higher and bigger. The world is yours if you are solution-oriented. So let me conclude with you by giving you the seven thoughts that every leader has to ask themselves. Seven thoughts. Now, first of all, know this. Everything began with a thought. Everything began with a thought. My talking to you began with a thought. You tuning in to me began with a thought. The content I've given you began with a thought. Everything began with a thought. So I'm going to give you seven questions and then leave you with a challenge of what to do with that thought. Number one, who am I? Who am I? The question of your identity and security. Who am I? <laughs> I remember when I came to America in 1973, August of 1973. If you think I have an accent now, you should have been with me all those years ago. And, and, and I remember uh, I was on campus and one of the dean's daughters uh, she will, had to be like six, eight years of age. She says to me, she looks at me in the parking lot and says, you talk funny. I want you to know, it impacted me. I was 20. She was probably six or eight. She was a kid. I was an old adult. 
but it impacted me. And then it started impacting me even more. When people could not understand me, they say, huh? What? I'm sorry? Can you say that again? Beg your pardon? And then for a minute, I realized, man, how am I going to do this thing? But then I had a sense of security that my accent is my accent, but there are changes I can make. I can slow myself down. I can enunciate clearly. I can use verbiage that is more understandable. I was from India, so we spoke British English. That I need to now speak American English. But I had that moment of insecurity. Who am I? Now that's my story. And I've got many other stories to tell you like that. So do you. But that's a question every leader is asking. Who am I? Question of identity and security. Number two, what is my address? That's a question of location. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Unless you settle your this place, you'll always be looking for that place. The question of your address. Is this where I'm supposed to serve? Is this my place that I'm supposed to bring more clarity to? This is where I'm supposed to consult. This is where I'm supposed to coach. This is where I'm supposed to be employed, employed at. So is this my place? You've got to know your location. Otherwise, you'll always be wandering. But once you make peace with this is my place, you will bloom and flourish. You can't be replanting a flower and allow it to grow. If you want the flower to bloom, you want that bush to bloom, you want the tree to bloom. You can be replanting it. You got to have a location. Number three, what time is it? And that's the question of maturity. What time is it simply as a question? What should be happening at this time in my life? What should be happening at this age and stage in my life? As I'm making this uh, recording for you, I am 65 years of age. What I used to do, I should not be doing right now. The Apostle Paul said it to us this way. He said to us, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I behaved like a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away childish things and I don't behave the same way. But have you not seen 65-year-old adults being childish, churlish, throwing temper tantrums, my way or the highway, who act in small ways, who try to put people down, who are 65 and insecure? The third question I'm talking to you about is, what time is it? What should be happening at this age stage of my life? The question of maturity. I'm talking about stress in success. Number four, who else can do this? Here's the question, who else can do that? And the answer to that is building a team. Who else can do that? So, so the way I function in my life, if, if I have an opportunity, if somebody brings me an idea, my first thought is not if I can do that. My first thought is not how much it's going to cost. My first thought is not uh, when what, what are we going to do. My first thought is not how much money we're going to make. My first thought is who else do I need to make this happen? So when this thought came about of uh, coming to you, via this medium. My first thought was not, can Sam Chan do that? No, he can't. My first thought was, who else do I need? And therefore, I have an amazing team of people that you met online already who make everything happen. Question, who else can do that? 
Answer, building a team. Number five, how will I know I'm successful? That's the question. How will I know I'm successful? And the question is that of destination. How will I know I'm successful? Destination. Till you have a there, you will never know if you got there. You got to have a destination. Now that destination can shift. That destination can mature into different ways, but you've got to have a destination. Otherwise, you'll never know if you got there. It's just like playing uh, football. If you don't have goal, there's no game then. Every game has some kind of a goal. You're playing tennis, there are those lines. You're playing hockey, there are boundaries. You're playing football, there are the goalposts. Doesn't matter what you're playing, you're playing uh, table tennis, ping pong, there's a table. There are those destinations. And you know when you're within the destination, how well that works for you. Do you know your destination? Do you know where you're going? Can you tell me in a sentence or less what that is? Because if you don't have a there, you'll wander here. Number six, how do I deal with conflict? How do I deal with conflict? Your conflict, dealing with conflict, is directly in proportion to your internal health. Let me say it again. The only way you can do and handle and deal with conflict is your own internal health. If you're healthy on the inside, if you're secure on the inside, if you're mature on the inside, if you know your destination on the inside, if you settle the location question on the inside, you can handle conflict. But if you're ambiguous and vague on, the, on what's going on, on the inside, the tumult on the inside, the storm on the inside, the waves on the inside are going to affect your external expressions. So you can only deal with conflict to the degree you are healthy yourself. In fact, can I just give you a sidebar? If you're having a day in which you feel you're unhealthy on the inside, for whatever reason, you're not healthy in your psyche, not healthy in your emotions, not healthy in your security, your maturity, your judgment, back off. Don't deal with it that day. Wait till you are healthy on the inside. And finally, number seven. Here's a big question. I ask myself this question every day. I ask this question, I've been asking this question myself for over 30 years. Let me give you this question. Here's a question. What is it about me that'll keep me from becoming all that God intends for me to be? What is it about me that'll keep me from becoming all that God intends for me to be. Let me break it down. And then I want to give you three things you got to do with your thoughts. Number one, what about me? Not about you, but me. Not about people I work with, about me. Not about my supervisor, about me. Not the people I lead, about me. What is about me that'll keep me from becoming all that God intends for 
me to be. The only person who can hold me back from going there is a person who's looking back at me in the mirror. What is it about me? So there are three things that we do with our thoughts. You choose, you purge, and you guard. You choose, you purge, and you guard. You choose your thoughts, you purge your thoughts, and you guard your thoughts. You choose your thoughts carefully, just like you're dressing, carefully. Choose, you have control over what you think about. Because what you think about, you bring about. What you obsess about is going to happen in your life. So, choose your thoughts. Number two, purge your stinking thinking. Flush it. Get rid of it. And number three, guard your thought life. Don't allow birds to build nests in your head. Guard your thought life. In this segment, I've been talking to you about stress in success. Don't ever make a stress-free life your goal. Doesn't matter where you are in life, there are stresses. But remind yourself, success comes with stresses. And I can handle all of these stresses. Three words, they'll help you. Stress in success.